Champions Mojo is part of the CG Sports Network. I'm a very disciplined person. I think a lot of people would say that too. I'm very disciplined and very focused. So once I have a goal in mind, I would I would not give up very easily and I would do everything I can to achieve it. Um, but on the other hand, like even if I don't achieve it, I'm also a very positive and optimistic person. So I know as long as I tried my best, I gave my best. And if I don't make it, then, you know, it's okay. Welcome to Champions Mojo, a podcast to bring out your inner champion. Your hosts are sisters-in-law, Kelly Palace and Maria Parker. Kelly is a former Division I head swim coach, Olympic trials qualifier, and holds national and world records in master swimming. Maria holds world records in endurance cycling and won the world's toughest bike race, Race Across America. Both are certified health and life coaches. Our goal is to inspire you through conversations with champions. And now your host, Kelly Palace. Maria, you and I have recently learned about a top 10 new app being used by our friends and Olympic champions, Elizabeth Beisel, Carolyn Joyce, and Maggie Steffens. And that's the Indy app, and they are the sponsor of today's show. Yes, Indy allows athletes, thought leaders, and everyday experts in any field to earn extra income by sharing their knowledge. With the Indy app, anyone can easily create lessons, make product recommendations, or create personalized content, which they can then post for people interested in what they know. I love this app, Kelly, because it allows anyone with know-how to earn income even without a huge social media following. And it's simple to get started. Download the Indie app, upload your content, set a price, and share. So go to Indie.com, that's I-N-D-I.com, or find Indie in the Apple or Google Play Store and cash in on your passions today. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Champions Mojo podcast. And as usual, I'm co-hosting with Maria Parker. Hey, Maria. Hi, Kelly. Well, before we tell you about our guest today, we do want to welcome her to the show, Siobhan Hawhey. Let's welcome you. Hello, Siobhan. Hi, Siobhan. Good morning. Good evening. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is really cool because in uh, Siobhan's in Hong Kong at 9 p.m. and Maria and I are on the East Coast of the uh, U.S. at 8 a.m. So it's really, really just so cool that we get Miracle of technology. Yes. Uh, Yeah, Absolutely. So we want to welcome again our world record holding swimmer, Siobhan Hawhey. Siobhan is fresh off of an amazing season in the International Swim League as a member of the Energy Standard team. And as part of the Energy Standards 4x100 relay team, Siobhan led off that relay in 50.9 seconds, a time which would have won the 100 free at the ISL finals. Besides the world record, Siobhan was also the overall winner of the 200 free and finished runner-up in the 100 free and the 400 free. But Siobhan's done much more, right, Maria? That's right, Kelly. Siobhan's a citizen of Hong Kong and has represented Hong Kong in the Olympic Games, but she swam in the NCAA while attending Michigan, where she was a 14-time All-American and a 15-time Big Ten champion. She still holds Michigan school records in the 200 free and IM. We're so excited to have this champion on our show. Welcome, Siobhan. Thank you. Yes. So, Siobhan, let's just start off because, you know, we've watched your career and I I knew you were from Hong Kong, but what's the connection? Like, how did you get to Michigan? And tell us a little bit about being a Hong Kong swimmer. 
Yeah, so um, my mom is from Hong Kong and my dad is Irish, um, so I'm mixed. Uh, but I was born and raised in Hong Kong. Yeah, I started swimming when I was around four years old because I have a sister. She's two years older than me. When my sister was around five or six, my parents thought it would be an important life skill for her to learn how to swim. So she joined a swim club and learn how to swim. And uh, when I was around four or five, my parents were like, yeah, you should do the same thing too. So then that's how I started swimming. Yeah. And then fast forward to when I was in high school, I um, was doing pretty well in swimming. I've been to a few junior international races, like uh, junior world champs, uh, youth Olympic games. And I knew I wanted to continue with swimming. And I knew that US would be the right place for me because I could swim and study at the same time. So I was just looking at different options and I was very clueless because I didn't know where to start. And you know, there are so many good schools in the US. Uh, and I was looking at some um, schools, but then I had a, another Hong Kong team, Hong Kong swimmer, um, her name's Claudia. And she went to Michigan and she, we went to um, a swim meet together and she, we were just talking and she was like, hey, like, have you, I know you're looking at schools, like, have you ever considered Michigan? And I was like, uh, no. And she's like, um, it's a little cold, but like, I think you'll really like it. Why don't you talk to the coaches? Um, so then she gave my email address to the coaches and that's how we started talking. And um, through like all the Skype calls, the emails, I realized like, oh, Michigan seems like a pretty pretty good place like they have a really amazing um swim program and also like it's a very good public school um and then one day the coaches were just like do you want to Skype with the team and you can talk to the swimmers there and see what they're like and get the vibe of the whole team and then I was like sure and um it was like an amazing call like I instantly felt the connection with the whole team and that night I called the coaches and I said I'm coming to Michigan so that's how it all started. Were your parents uh, sad to have their baby so far away? Yeah, they were a bit, but uh, my sister, who's two years older than me, she uh, also left Hong Kong and went to Ireland for university. So they're, oh. they're kind of used to it, but yeah. then it's also kind of sad that both of their daughters left. Yeah. Are you a huge, I mean, when I did um, searches on you, there's lots in the news from Asia, particularly, are you a huge celebrity in Hong Kong? Um, I wouldn't say that. Um, I I don't really like the spotlight. <laughs> so um, I think people just know me through like my swimming results. Uh, but for the past five years or so, I was in the U.S. So I, I wasn't always in Hong Kong. So yeah, they only. I'm if I'm on the news, it's probably because uh, of my swimming results. But well, they're proud of you. I can tell yeah. you that. <laughs> yeah, they are. But it's it's also good that like people who follow sports kind of know me. But it's not like everyone knows me. That if I'm out on the streets, people would recognize me. Like maybe so it'll happen like once or twice, but not often. So I kind of like that balance. Well, if you keep swimming the way you are, I'm sure that's going to change a little bit. <laughs> so, we'll see. <laughs> One of the things that we wanted to ask you that seems so cool that the ISL has provided for you is you're one of, you know, your, your hunter free is just amazing. And what you did in winning, like your lead off time on that relay would have won the finals and you, even mm -hmm. though you got second. Uh, so I want to ask you a two part question. One, what 
why did you swim so fast off the front of that relay that you, you, you couldn't win the hundred free right up? Like, was it on a different day? Did you feel better? Were you not feeling good on that night? Or, and then the second question is Hong Kong for Hong Kong. You were the first person from Hong Kong to ever even make an Olympic semifinal, which tells us that you, the Hong Kong relay teams never were going to be in contention for a world record. So you're not swimming for a U.S. powerhouse. You're not swimming for Australia. Now you you join Energy Standard and you're on a world record setting relay. So one, explain to us how that Hunter Free leadoff happened and what it feels like to now be on a world record setting relay. It was definitely a very, I, I, I was just really excited. I always love relays and, um, I think the four by one free relay was the first event of uh, the meet. And so, you know, I'm like a little bit nervous and, um, and it's the finals and I, you know, I, yeah, I'm nervous, but I'm also really excited because um, I always love relays. And I know that apart from me, like there are three other girls behind me and like, we all just want to swim fast and have a lot of fun. So I think like with all the nervousness and adrenaline, it kind of, uh pushed me and like made me swim a lot faster and when I dove in like I didn't think about anything I just wanted to like swim really fast and get my hand on the wall first um so I wasn't really focusing on the time and it's really cool that our our relay broke the world record because I know my chances of doing that with the Hong Kong team is like very slim so it's uh it's a pretty amazing feeling to to tell people that you broke the world record um and I did it with three other amazing girls and we're all from Energy Standard, and um, I think it's just amazing that we all did that together. Yeah. So, so when you got, so you saw, so that explains a lot to me. The four by one hundred free was the first event of the whole finals. So that that like your oh, well, it's my first event. I think oh, your first like, event. Ma- yeah, my first event. Okay, your first yeah. event. And then, so when you let off at that time, then what was the difference then when you got into the your individual hundred free. Did you think, Oh yeah, I'm going 50.9. I'm going to win this. But like, just for, for, for all uh, us athletes out there, like mm-hmm. what, what was like a little different that maybe, and how did you handle that when you didn't win and you probably thought you should? And yeah, I think after swimming the 50.9, there's definitely expectations from myself and from other people that I should win the hundred free. Um, and I think that might have affected me a bit because the 100 free was on day two. Um, so I had like um, two events on day one, including the relay. And then 100 free was the first event, the first event of day two. Um, so I was a little tired from the first day. And also I was just a little nervous. And I don't want to say, I don't want to try and find excuses, but I dove in and my one, my left goggle started filling up and, oh. you know, things like that happen. And you can't really control it, but I don't want to blame. I don't want to say like, that's the sole reason why I didn't win. I think detail wise, there are things that I could have done better. Um, but I think it's just a learning opportunity. You don't always go in and swim a best time and win every single race you go to. Um, so yeah, I was a little disappointed that I didn't win and I wasn't really happy with the time, but I had two other races that day. So I really had to just move on and focus on my next events. Cause I had to swim like, three events in an hour and 15 minutes or so. So there's no point lingering on like a disappointing re- event or a disappointing race. And I know I have to focus on my next races because 
you know, our goal for Energy Standard is to win ISL and to score as many points as possible and to swim as fast as we can. So that's what I try to do. And I think, you know, mentally it's um, it's pretty challenging sometimes to come back from a disappointing race, but you just have to like learn and to tell yourself to stay focused and stay positive and just move on. So uh, my question would be, I've, I've heard you talk about being convinced to go to Michigan after you talked to the teammates. And I've heard you talk about winning and you know, setting a world record uh, in a team event. How is being part of a team impacting your swimming? I think it definitely impacts my training or my swimming in so many ways, in a lot of good ways. Um, because before going to Michigan, I was training in a club team in Hong Kong and I was the oldest. So I was training with like a lot of younger swimmers. So I never really got the the whole team aspect of um, swimming. Um, I feel like while I was swimming, it's like, it's very individual and I'm just doing it for myself. But going to Michigan, one of the main reasons why I went to Michigan was because of the whole team aspect and the whole team atmosphere. And that made me realize how important that is when you're training, especially when you're going through really hard training phases or really hard sets. There are so many times where I just want to give up halfway through the set or I think that I couldn't swim any faster. But um, and that's where your teammates come in and they're, they're always there to support you and cheer for you. And, you know, you know, you're all going through this together and you never want to let your teammate down. So it's always great having teammates there to, just cheer for you and know that no matter what happens, they're always there and we're all in this together. That's Did great. you look at any other schools besides Michigan? Um, I look at some schools in California. Yeah. But I eventually decided that Michigan was a, a better fit for me. Yes. Yes. So tell us a little bit about what is, what is your training situation like in Hong Kong and are you going to be there from now until the Olympics and have you already qualified for the Olympics for Hong Kong? Tell us a little bit about, you know, what's between here and, and the games. Yeah. So I graduated in Michigan in 2019, uh, May. And since then I've been training in Michigan um, unfortunately, with the pandemic, I had to come back to Hong Kong in June this year um, because pools in Michigan were closed. So after I came back to Hong Kong, our most of our all of actually all of our pools, all of our public pools are closed. But we have um, the pool that the national team uses it's in our in our Hong Kong Sports Institute. So I've been training there since June. Um, I know I'm very fortunate because I know a lot of people don't have access to any pool or any gyms. And I'm, I know I'm one of the few lucky ones who have um, all of this, these facilities. So I've been training there. Um, my coach in the U S in Michigan, he's been sending me practices every day. And I have a coach here. He kind of supervise us and he, um, so I'm doing uh, sets from my coach in the U S but we have a kind of a small training group here of like six of us and we all just do the same set. Um, and we train around 10 sessions a week, um, every morning, Monday to Saturday, and then, um, doubles on a few days in the afternoon. And then we go to the gym to lift three times a week. And we also do some, uh, land training, um, like core and yoga, Pilates, um, spin bikes, stuff like that. So and, um, yeah. Um, so I have already qualified for the Olympics. 
um, so far in the 100 free and the 200 free. And Hong Kong team has also qualified in a few relays. Uh, but I think uh, they're still deciding who would be on the relays yet. So don't know if I'll be on them. Um, as for my training moving forward, as of right now, I'll still be in Hong Kong because I'm not quite sure what the situation in the U.S. is like right now. Um, and I have great training partners here and I have the pool, I have the gym. So, so far, everything's been working well. So I think for the most part, I'll stay here. Um, I mean, of course, I hope to go back to the U.S. because my coach is there and sometimes it's a little hard when he can't be there to train me and coach me and he can only send me workouts. Um, but uh, I don't think I could like really plan a lot of things, especially this year and probably first half of the next year. But I think for the most part, I'll just be in Hong Kong. Okay. And um, how many people are in your training group at in Hong Kong? And are you swimming um, long course meters? Um, so we have around six to eight people. And yes, for the most part, we are swimming in a 50 meter pool. Um, from time to time, we can switch the pool to a 25 meter. Yeah. So my question would be about the mental aspects of um, training for you. Mm -hmm. um, is it how how is being in Hong Kong? What I guess my my question would be what what goes through your mind when you're when you're working out with your team in Hong Kong versus the team for the ISL versus your team in Michigan and you know and and how do you how do you mentally keep your mental game strong? Yeah, that's I always think the mental aspect of uh, training and racing is very important. Um, I study psychology in college, so. I'm always very interested in how the human minds work and how like your mindset affects everything. Um, and I think training in Hong Kong, it's, um, it's been going well because it's kind of um, like a new environment for me. Um, I've been training in Michigan for past five years and I really like my teammates. They're all great. But then sometimes I feel like after five years, it's kind of nice to um, have a little bit of a change. Um, even though I'm still doing my coaches sets and workouts, um, I'm training with new people and, um, you know, everyone has different personalities. And back in Michigan, I was mainly training with the women's team, but then here I'm training with guys and girls as well. So sometimes it's, it's nice racing with the guys cause they're faster, but you know, I want to try and catch them and like keep up with them. So it's, um, I think sometimes you just have to keep things fun and interesting to, um, just to give yourself more motivation to move forward. So like not, so things aren't as boring and as mundane as it can be. If things were to change over here, would you come back before the Olympics to train at Michigan? Yeah, I hope, hopefully I could, but um, I think it really depends on the situation. Yes. Yes. So uh, let's talk a little bit about, your range of the 100 to the 400 is just so interesting because you really, you know, you, you throw down this speed uh, at the 100 and then you can crank out that endurance. What is the favorite event of those three, the 100, the 200, the 400, and just kind of a little bit of, of different strategies that you use for each of those races? Yeah, so 200 is definitely my favorite. I 
never really swam the 200 free until I got to college. Um, I was more a 50, 100 free seller. But then the coaches realized I kind of have the endurance to go up to the 200. And that's how we started training that. And um, I definitely see the most improvement in my 200 throughout the years. Um, so I think that's why I'm able to do the 100 and the 400 as well, because um, I kind of have the natural speed in, in my 200. So it's like, pretty beneficial to some of the hundred as well but then sometimes it's also especially during a training phase it's also nice to swim the 400 free because you need the endurance to come home in the last 50 of a 200 um when I was at ISL I was just expecting to swim the 100 and 200 free um but a few days before our first match the coaches came up to me and they said uh Siobhan you might have to do the 400 and I told them I haven't swam the 400 free short course before and they said no problem you'll be fine like you'll have so many chances of swimming it so you'll be fine and I was like okay <laughs> oh um gosh. yeah but I think it worked out pretty well hopefully next year they'll you know I don't know if they'll put me in next year but um I it's I can't say it's my favorite event um it's it's pretty painful after 300 but I know it's good training for my 200 and um yeah I just need that endurance yeah. So speaking of your next year with the ISL and maybe swimming the 400 next year and maybe swimming the 200 or what, uh, what are your thoughts on swimming after the Olympics and being a pro swimmer? Are you officially labeling yourself as a pro swimmer and going forward with that career? Or do you have another career that you're pursuing? That's something that I've uh, thought of a lot. I always thought I would be done with my career in 2020 summer after the Olympics uh, but with the pandemic everything kind of changed and I really enjoy swimming ISL it's so much fun and it's great opportunity to race and to meet new people and to travel around the world I think this year really made me realize that I can't plan everything in my life um, so <laughs> I'm learning I'm always someone who loves to plan and organize things and have things like list out but this year made me realize like sometime I just have to like go with the flow and I can't plan everything. Um, so I'm definitely aiming for Olympics next year and see how I feel if I, um, but I feel like most likely I'll keep swimming and go for another season of ISL. And especially with, there's so many meets coming up, like short course worlds, long course worlds. I'm someone, I just love to race. Um, so I would like to take up every racing opportunity I can get. But I think there's just a lot of different factors affecting like how long my swimming career will last because I eventually want to go back to grad school. I want to become a clinical child psychologist. Um, so I don't, I don't know when that will happen, but uh, that's definitely something I've been thinking about and definitely something that I will pursue after swimming. Cool. So you're definitely in the, the, the mind, you, you know, you, you said you really study that and, when you're in that painful part of your races, even the 200, you know, it's funny that we, this week we've interviewed um, Townley Haas and you who are the two 200 freestyle winners. And Townley actually said that the 200 free was more painful to him than the 400 free. So Maria and I love to know what is in an athlete's mind when they're in pain. What are mm -hmm. your, you know, what are your processes when you're really in a painful race with a lot of pressure and you're just grinding it out? What are you, what are you thinking? 
Yeah, um, I think so when I'm in that stage um, in training versus in racing, I kind of think of different things. So if I'm in a if I'm training and I'm no, I'm like dying a lot and I'm just so tired. I can't move anymore. What I would think about is like I've done this set before. I've done something similar before and I made it through that. I will make it through this as well. So it's I would think about like past experiences or some like a time where I felt the same pain in training and use that to motivate myself say to say like, you know, I've experienced this before. This is not something new. Like you can do it. You can keep going. Um, versus when I'm racing, um, I would think about like, how badly do you want this? How much do you really want to win this race? Like you've worked so hard. You're not going to give up now. Like keep going. Like you've got this. So I kind of think of different things when I'm in different situations, but it's also, but I think like it's, for me, I just have to like find ways to motivate myself to get through it and just keep going. Siobhan, what would you say your greatest assets are as a swimmer and a person? Um, I think I'm a very disciplined person. I think a lot of people would say that too. I'm very disciplined and very focused. So once I have a goal in mind, I would I would not give up very easily and I would do everything I can to achieve it. Um, but on the other hand, like even if I don't achieve it, I'm also a very positive and optimistic person. So I know as long as I tried my best, I gave my best. And if I don't make it, then, you know, it's okay. But f- first I have to like give it my best and try my best to try to achieve it. How have you developed those traits? I think just being being in Hong Kong we have a very rigorous education system I went to a local school you know school is really hard and I have I also was training a lot since a very young age so and my parents disciplined me very well Uh, since a very young age I know how to like have good time management and know what I need to do know how to focus on school and swimming before going off to play and um I don't know. I wouldn't say it's something that I just woke up and have these kind of assets. I think I just developed it throughout childhood. How about about the positivity and optimism? How did you develop those? Um, I think I just, I was lucky enough to have like so many people around me that are also very optimistic and positive, like my parents, my sister, my coaches, my teammates. And I think you kind of absorb all of that positivity and like good energy from all of them. And that's how, you know, you see your teammates and friends being so positive and you don't want to be the only negative person in your friend group. So you learn to stay optimistic and just send out good vibes. So just the final follow-up on that is what qualities and characteristics would you like to develop better or more for your swimming career and for your career beyond that? Um, I think sometimes I'm not very, um, assertive. I, it, sometimes it's hard for me to like make a decision and, um, know what I really want to do. Um, I feel like this is more applicable in life than in swimming, but, um, I'm, I just always like want to please everyone. So it's hard for me to like, just be assertive and tell people what I really want to do or like what I really want. Um, so I think I need a bit more practice in, in that area. 
how do you figure out what you really want? Is it screaming in your head or do you have to really think about it? I think for the most part, I really have to think about it because I'm also like, I never want to make the wrong decision. So I want to be very careful and I'm like very logical in my thinking process and make sure that I make the right decisions. And yeah. So uh, that those are characteristics that you have and, and ones that you may want to gain. What about when you're around all these champions, what characteristics do you see that other champions share? Yeah, I think a lot of champions are um, very positive, um, especially being um, on Angie Standard and on, on our team, we have so many great swimmers, Olympic champions, world record holders, world champions, and everyone's very positive. Like, even if they don't have a good race, they would learn from their mistakes or learn from their races and move on. And they would never, you know, um, I mean, I, I'm sure sometimes they might be disappointed with their races, but they, most important thing is like, they would go back to look at the videos and see what they can work on and what they can improve and just remain very positive. And even though they didn't have a good race and they know their teammate did, they would definitely go and congratulate them and support each other. And I think, I think being positive is definitely a huge characteristics that um, a lot of people have. Yeah, that's, that's definitely something that we, we see amongst champions that they, they um, in fact, I think there was a, a, some research that I was reading about in, in the uh, sports psychology book that says that champions even sometimes will paint a historic event better than it was so that they can actually not feel badly about it. That that's one of the, the best um, traits of golfers, like the top golfers will mm-hmm. not remember a horrible, you know, uh, event that they had or a horrible hole that they had. But speaking of things that might be obstacles in life, have you had any obstacles in your life? Uh, Yes, especially my swimming career. I would say the biggest one would be um, having a foot injury when I was um, in end of 2017. Actually, it was New Year's Eve 2017. we were on a training trip in Florida. Oh, actually, no, we were on a training trip. Um, and during practice, my foot started hurting a lot. Um, but of course, I, I didn't stop because I was thinking, <laughs> oh, this is the last practice of the year. Like, of course, I, I, I have stop. to finish it. Of course, <laughs> I have to finish it. Um, so I kept going and I started swimming slower and slower and slower. And the coach stopped me and said, like, what happened? Like, you're, you're swimming pretty slow and I was like yeah like my foot my foot is hurting um I don't know what's wrong um so then after that I saw a physio I saw a few doctors I got MRI um x-rays we did all the tests and no one knew what was happening but the pain just kept it just got worse um and it lasted for so long that um we had a lot of competitions leading up so like some dual meets big tens and NCAAs uh, we weren't even so I had to sit out a few dual meets because I just I couldn't train I couldn't finish a full two hour practice and I could barely walk I had to wear a boot at that time um, and then we weren't sure if I was able to race in our conference meet Big Tens um, but I was like no like our team needs me like we need the points we need the points to win Big Tens so 
I swam and then, but I was in a lot of pain. And then um, at NCAAs, we also weren't sure if I was going to swim it. Um, I did, but the coaches had to put me off some of the relays to release the stress on my foot. Um, but eventually after the that college season, um, the pain was just so unbearable and we didn't know what's wrong. So we didn't know how to treat it. Um, so that was very frustrating to me. And, um, and I had Asian games that summer in 2018. Um, eventually my coach and I decided that I should probably just take the summer off to not train, not go to any meets. So that was really hard because I had to tell my federation, tell the Hong Kong coaches that I can't go to Asian games. Luckily they were really understanding, but I basically didn't train for nine, nine weeks that summer. And while Asian games was happening, I was at home watching TV and I saw you know, the times and I was thinking, Oh, if I went like, I would have been like first or second, or I would have saw these times. So it's really hard and to see, you know, that you should have been in that, that meet, but you can't. Um, and it was really frustrating that summer because I saw, I think 15 doctors, I did a ton of tests and we have no idea what was going on. And um, we still don't really know what's going on, but I think, um, I think it's, I manage it a, a bit better now. And um, it was really hard at that time because I think I was just trying to find an answer to what's happening to my foot and how we could treat it. But now I kind of take a step back and kind of accepted the fact that it would probably never get better but I can do a lot of things to maintain the pain and release the pain. And I know I shouldn't push myself too hard at every single session. So I, now I know like when it's about, when the pain is about to come, I could kind of tell my coaches like, Hey, I kind of need a break. I need, uh, I need to stop. So that was kind of one of the biggest obstacles in my swimming career where I had to, in, had to deal with an injury and I had to sit out of a few competitions Um but I definitely learned a lot through that. Is yeah, it still it, going? Yeah, so you're still managing it. Yeah, so it's still going, but it's a lot better than what it was a few years ago. And um, and I I know how to, like, I know the symptoms and when it's going to get worse, yeah. And you don't know what it is? You don't know what no, this causing really. the pain? Yeah, Does it affect no. your walking or, you know, your dry land? Does it affect that? Yeah, so and when it, when I first had it, it definitely affected my walking. I couldn't really walk. It hurt a lot when I walk, but now it, um, I still can't really run or jump. So I don't ever run anymore, but it's not as painful. Where in your foot is it? Not to be a doctor, but <laughs> it's, um, the side of my foot, kind of like my ankle area and the interior and or the exterior, yeah. the outside or the inside Ex- exterior. Uh. That must be so frustrating, especially, I think one of the things about an injury like that is there's no diagnosis. So you can't, I mean, if you had a diagnosis, you'd, there'd be a treatment, but if it's just Mm -hmm. this mystery, oh, I can't imagine. Yeah. So, so dealing, this is a topic that is near and dear to Maria and my heart. I mean, chronic illness is, this is chronic and Mm -hmm. I am 100% sure we have listeners that have chronic things going on. So chronic is you know, when you, when you injure yourself, you think, okay, I got six to eight weeks, maybe six to 12 weeks where I'm going to be laid up and I'm going to be injured. And in fact, we, we just, uh, we have an episode coming up on overcoming an injury, but it, we don't talk about chronic injuries. And that is really the, t- I, I think 
that is a mental game that just is the one that we have to win because they're just, you know, as we age, as we, you know, um, Maria has a, a young daughter. She's not, I mean, she's younger than us who, who has chronic migraines and that is, you know, just, she's, she's got to really kind of plan her day and, and plan her life around her migraines. And, and um, you know, so what are your, like, how do you deal? So that's very different than the acute pain that you have in a race, but um, mm-hmm. so what, what are your kind of your mindset towards this chronic to hear you say that it's something I'm always going to have is just, you know, shocking. Do you believe that it's something you're always going to have? Or do you think that's the only way that you can approach it? Because I have, I have a chronic kind of thing too. And I say, okay, the only way I can live is I'm just going to think I'm going to have this forever. So then I deal with it like that versus um, getting my hopes up that I'm going to be cured. So what are your thoughts around that? Yeah, I think when I first had this pain three years ago, my thought was that, oh, it's just like, you know, I don't know what happened, but it's going to get better. Like one day it'll go away. But I waited so long, months and months and you know, it never went away and it just got worse. So then I, and that like, it really bothered me a lot and it was really affecting how I was like, it was creating a lot of stress to me because like there are nights where I would just cry to sleep because I was like mm. thinking, how come it's still there? Like it hurts a lot. I couldn't, I couldn't even go to bed. Um, but then like s- slowly I began to change my mindset to think that like, maybe this is something that it will be there forever and I have to deal with it. So I, just have to, I have to do something about it. So um, I work closely with our, my physio and um, we do rehab and like some pre-workout exercise and it's not really going to get the pain away, but it kind of like can delay the pain when I'm training. Um, and then after every training session, I have to ice it and like do some treatments to it to help release the swelling and the pain. Um, but I think the biggest change that I thought was the most helpful was definitely changing my mindset to thinking that you know this I'll have to deal with it forever and um then it's only then where I can not stress about like finding a cure and like finding the next doctor doing the next test because I just accepted the fact that it'll be there and um yeah it's definitely a very challenging and hard thing to do but as an athlete, you deal with injuries all the time. And I think this is just part of the career and just something you have to deal with. Has it, how has it impacted your swimming? Obviously the, uh, mentally, mm-hmm. like, do you, do you think, well, I got through this. I can, <laughs> do, do you use that? I guess my question is, do you use it? Uh, kind of, but I think, um, it affects me mentally in a different way. So I'm always someone who thinks I just have to keep going and keep pushing myself. I, Cause you know, I can't stop, never take breaks. Like just go, go, go. But I think having this foot injury really made me realize like sometimes actually I just need to take a step back and take a break because it's a sign that like, it's my body telling me that like maybe you need to stop and you need to take a break. Um, So I, with this foot injury, I typically cannot finish a full kick set that we do. Um, So after our kick sets are normally like around 2000 meters and after around a thousand, then my foot would start to become really tight and stiff. And then if I keep going, then it'll start hurting. 
So um, my coach and I, we kind of know that this is, you know, a thousand or like 1500 kick sets is like the max that I can do. So we kind of work around that and kind of modify training a bit. And um, when we go through really hard training, that's when my foot also start hurt a lot more. And so we definitely communicate a lot. Like I tell him like how my foot is doing every day. And so we could adjust our training because of that. And um, with racing, if I do a lot of races in a very short period of time, that's also when my foot hurts a lot. So we, I make sure I'm on top of my recovery and um, you know, doing everything I can to minimize the pain or help with the pain and the swelling. And so I think this, um, this injury also made me be more aware of like how my body is feeling and what I need. Like, do I need, can I train more or do I need to train less? Do I need to take a break? Like I just have to be more in tune with my body to, and see what my body is telling me. Mm, wow. Great. Wow. Yeah. That's Siobhan, I, I, This is just, I mean, we've admired you as a, an amazing champion swimmer, but this authenticity of you sharing this part of your life with us just people listening and and I we're we're even bigger fans because what's your what you've accomplished while going through this pain and it's just it's just phenomenal I it's you know that is just thank you it's really amazing so um well wow we could keep talking but in the interest of time you got to get to bed there it's getting to be 10 o'clock um so (laughs) is there anything that we have not asked you that you would like to share with our listeners? Um, I don't know. Not that I can think of Okay, that's, that's great. You know, yeah. 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 That's, that's not always. Uh, here's, here's, always- here's our, just a quick, easy one. What do you do for fun? I love to bake. I love baking desserts. Um, it's a great way to really stress and eat good food. <laughs> and also <laughs> if I bake too much, I just give it to my teammates and my friends. So, you know, you could share as well. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, we do have a quick sprinter round as we call it. Just um, it's one word answers so that our audience gets to know you a little bit better. Are you ready to play? Yes, I am. Okay. <laughs> Cat or dog? Dog. Red or blue? Blue. Milk chocolate or dark chocolate? Dark chocolate. Kickboard or no kickboard? Kickboard. Mountains or beach? Ooh, tough one. Uh, uh, both. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good. Football or baseball? Uh, football. iPhone or Android? iPhone, definitely. Coffee or tea? Tea. Morning person or night owl? Morning person. Fingernail polish or no fingernail polish? fingernail polish okay maria's got a few for you there favorite color uh blue favorite pizza topping uh pineapple (laughs) i I love it yeah favorite vegetable uh spinach favorite swim complex in the u.s um michigan (laughs) good answer what kind of music do you like um anything but rap okay what's your shoe size uh nine and a half siblings one sister two years older than me 
favorite Star Wars character? I don't watch Star Wars. Harry, oh, yes. Favorite <laughs> Harry Potter character? Ooh, Hermione. Can you cook? Yes, I can. <laughs> what word comes to mind most when you dive into the water? Uh, calm. Hmm. Oh, nice. Uh, nice. Siobhan, this has just been wonderful. so wonderful. You're Thank just, you so much. Yeah, really awesome. Thanks for and, having me. Yeah. yeah, we wish you all the best. We will be cheering for you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. It's now time for the takeaways. Maria, you and I have heard the takeaways are the best part of the show. That's right, Kelly, because the takeaways are curated information, which is what we give to our clients when we coach them. If you would like to take your performance to the next level in health, life, or leadership, go to our website and schedule your free 30-minute consultation. Yes, just click on our coaching page and book there. We're looking forward to bringing out the champion in you. And now, the takeaways. Well, Maria, that was just so, so, I felt like she was so authentic and really did uh, an amazing job, you know, and it was 10 o'clock there and, you know, PM, eight right, PM, right. PM, <laughs> so she was really, really energetic and, and very um, focused. So I, th- and I think that's something we're going to talk about. So, right, um, right. It was awesome. Yeah. yeah she, your first takeaway? She impressed me because um, clearly she, well, I, I said the overarching theme was focus and discipline. I mean, she has, a, she has put, she has focused and planned, and, and, and planned and, and put discipline, you know, and, and discipline herself to the point really where she wasn't even listening to, you know, as an athlete, you have to, you have to tell your body to stop yelling because it hurts, but she, you know, she is able to do that to an extreme. And I think that's why she's been successful. She's, you know, she's knows what she wants. She, she does what she's supposed to do even more. And she's incredibly disciplined and to be able to switch also switch, training menus all the time and still be successful and training partners and coaches. And I, I thought she was really amazing. I, I aspire to be that disciplined. Yes. And discipline is something that a lot of athletes have, but not maybe to the extreme that she has. And, and discipline is, uh, it's, it's so important. We did a whole show on it. I, yeah. th- I think it's like the key to success. Yeah. So, um, so I, yeah, I think that's one of and her. You, yeah. Her and you grow powers. it. Yeah. And yeah. you grow it and she has grown it. It's a tree in her life. Yeah. yeah. Her superpower. Yeah. Um, the other, uh, my first takeaway that I think would be another kind of overarching theme of um, Siobhan is that she's a super positive person. Yeah. You know, she, she puts a great spin on anything, even with her foot, she's just, plowing through. She's looking at it in the best possible light that she can. But she said, you know, that she thinks that's a trait of champions and one which she, she certainly demonstrates. But yeah, she could be so um, negative on, just like you said, on having to travel a lot and having to be in, um, you know, not with her ideal coach, uh, the coach that's sending her workouts, but she's just really positive about, about everything. And I think that just buoys her up and, and makes her better. So yeah, I thought that I was completely yeah. agree. Um, I love that, that aspect of her personality. Yeah. Because as, as the interview went on, we heard about the, her obstacles were like, right. How right. You, like how know, has she been doing like, this? I like, mean, I never even read that anywhere. So, I mean, you know, it's right. not out there. She's not complaining. 
So right. that's probably, <laughs> uh, well, so my second takeaway would be that she is an incredible planner, but also has learned to be flexible. So, I mean, those two cannot go hand in hand sometimes. Like I, you know, I like to plan things and I don't like it when things don't go the way I plan them. <laughs> and, um, yeah. but being a planner is great. I mean, she knows what she wants to do after she, after a swimming career and she's, you know, she thinks through things and, you know, planning can be hard, but if you plan, you know, you, you have a sense of boundaries and, and, uh, and you know where you're going. So she was a great planner, but also she was able to flex with her plans and change them. And she said the ISL experience has made her rethink, you know, going right to grad school after the Olympics and trying to, you know, enjoy being a professional swimmer. So I love that about her that she could say, I had this plan, but you know what, I'm going to change it. Yes. Yeah. That was, that was an excellent, excellent one. Um, my, Final takeaway is one that I think is just, it's so applicable to all of us with anything that we're really grinding against. So something chronic, and it doesn't have to be a chronic illness. If it doesn't have to be migraines or, you know, chronic back pain or, you know, but her, her foot pain is chronic that um, kind of, what is the, the prayer grant me the wisdom to accept the things I cannot change and the, the uh, serenity to, Ch- change the things I can, accept the things Curse I cannot to change. change. The thing I can. Yeah. The uh, the curse has changed. Oh, <laughs> we're we're yeah. really screwing this. It, one it's up. really <laughs> yeah. It's early. It's early in the morning for us. We usually don't get this early. I've not had so my the coffee, last one. Is the wisdom to know the difference. The wisdom <laughs> to know the difference. So I think anything that we're grinding against, instead of saying, you know, maybe it's never going to change. So just kind of. Serenity, serenity, like accepting, you know, maybe this is just the way her foot's always going to be. Maybe this is the way my back is always going to be. How can I live the best life that I can live with this condition? Whatever that is, you know, it could be a difficult relationship. It could be a, a, you know, a situation in your job, you know, knowing, you know, when you try to change things and get better and things don't just knowing, okay, I'm going to live with this for a while and, and be serene about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I loved that when I related to that one, a great takeaway for me and just there, there were a lot more, but um, hopefully you'll listen to the whole interview yeah. and yeah. Uh, yeah, Maria, thank you so much. And this was a little different for us yeah. being up early in the morning to do this. But. You can probably tell by my hair, but <laughs> <laughs> all right, Kelly, love you. I love Bye. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This week's quote of the week comes from Siobhan Hawley. I think champions learn from their mistakes and move on quickly. You've been listening to the Champions Mojo podcast with host Kelly Palace and Maria Parker. Champions Mojo is produced by Cobra Media, and a new episode debuts every Tuesday. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Follow Champions Mojo on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Champions Mojo.